The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, it's draft day. And I am here with my mock draft to get you ready for all of the action tonight. I kept seeing mocks. Cassini had a draft mock. He had Hollinger had a draft mock. Ringer had a draft mock. ESPN had a mock draft. And I thought to myself, don't you want to hear from me? Probably, probably not. I'm not a draft expert, but I'm going to take a stab at it just so I can go back and we'll see how right or how wrong I am. It's going to be a wild ride, so strap in. I've looked at fit. I have looked at organizational style and the type of players that they like. Get yourself armed with a little TK knowledge before everything drops. Nick, let's get into it. Before we get into the mock draft 2023, the the quick mock, uh, as we call it, there's a bit of breaking news to deal with. Both Shams and Woj, this is the bomb, this is the sound of the Shams bomb, are saying we are very near a deal that will send Kristaps Porzingis to the Boston Celtics. Wow. For Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon goes to the Clippers, and Marcus Morris... A small coffee, a.k.a. Amir coffee, and a 30th pick goes to Washington. A couple of thoughts. One, man, Washington does just does not want any salary on their books. They're like, Chris Stapps is about to opt in. No, you're not going to opt in. You're fucking out of here. They want picks. Even if it's the 30th pick, they don't care. They want nothing on their books. Number two, the Malcolm Brogdon experiment clearly did not work. This is now three teams that have had Malcolm Brogdon on their roster, and he has lasted a single season. Take that with it, what you will. And three, and three, <clears throat> Clippers need a point guard. That's an interesting fit. Uh, add Malcolm Brogdon to the scrap heap of players who are never healthy, and now you've got yourself even more of a kerfuffle. All of that to say, from Boston's salary cap perspective, I don't understand it. Uh, the Celtics have worked very hard to keep their payroll under control. They have, I remember the good old days of 2020, 2021, uh, when the Boston Celtics got rid of Aaron Baines at the deadline just so that they could avoid the salary cap luxury tax. I, I mean, 
This is now blowing that whole mentality out of the water, making Chris Das Porzingis, who opts into his player option, uh, $36 million, the highest paid member of the Boston Celtics. That includes Tatum, who makes 32.6, Jalen Brown, who makes 31.9, Marcus Smart, who makes 18.5, Derek, uh, my name's Kodak Black, but when you see me, I'm white, 17.1 million, Time Lord, 11.6 million, and Al Horford, 10 million. That, folks, is $100 million between Tatum, Brown, and Kristaps Porzingis, and $57 million for Smart, White, Time Lord, and Horford. Oh, oh, suit you, sir. Uh, the salary cap for folks who don't do math is $136 million. That is $21 million over the cap for just seven players, and this is a team that needs depth so bad. Uh, so bad. They lost Brogdon. They probably lose Pritchard, who has been asking to be traded for the last 24 months, who makes $5 million. It's very confusing. From a basketball standpoint, I have no idea how this is going to work. The only thing that my brain can comprehend is that Kristaps Porzingis now is the four. Uh, Time Lord is the five. Tatum's the three. Jalen Brown's the two. And Marcus Smart and Derek White are the ones. We'll have more on this tomorrow, but man, is that one hell of a trade that shakes things up, baby. On to the draft. Um, so that's the new segment. Um, so the NBA draft is finally here. I wanted to give you my thoughts. I think how this is all going to shake out. I'm going to talk about the lottery and only the lottery because that's all I can do. One through 14. We're talking about fit. We're talking about how these front offices operate. And we're talking about the most likely person to be drafted by the current holders of each pick. I know there's going to be trades. I do. But in general, I'm not about to forecast that. That is just too much that, that could go on with that. So let's get right into it. No-brainer, number one, Victor Wambayama, French kid, 18 years old, transcendent, next Braun, next Michael Jordan, probably even more hype around him than that. Huge hands, 7'4", in bare feet. Um, best, probably the best head on his shoulders of any elite player that's 18 that I've seen. Uh, he says he's... He's one with and, and is free inside the universe, which is about as enlightened as you're going to get. And that's just him saying it in English, his second language. Really, really interesting kid. I can't wait to watch him on the next level. Uh, he's rangy. He can do a bunch of different things. He's like a Kristaps Porzingis, we'll call it like 3.0, right? If we're talking about chat GPT 3, uh, Victor Wambiama's chat GPT 0.4. But let's... Pull back the expectations a little bit. San Antonio is not winning the title in his first year. He's not going to explode onto the scene like LeBron did. Uh, he's not going to become like how Ant Edwards was with a human highlight machine. He's probably going to struggle. He's seven four and probably uh, 180 pounds soaking wet. Um, so he's probably have a difficult time with huger, more athletic players in the NBA. They're going to try to knock him off of his spot. Guys are going to crowd him in the paint, try to block him. He's probably not even going to win rookie of the year. He's going to take time to develop as all centers do. And let's face it though. His upside is insane. His upside is somewhere around KD and Giannis and Kristaps Porzingis in that realm. 
He's got a need to put some weight on him, but truthfully, everyone who sees him thinks that he is going to be the guy, maybe the new face of the league for many years to come, and I think that's a possibility as well. Home run for San Antonio, best potential fit they could even have. They absolutely hit it out of the park just by winning the lottery. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Number two, Brandon Miller. A lot of smokescreen here. Charlotte has been playing with us. They have been toying with our emotions. Will it be Scoot? Will it be Brandon Miller? Ultimately, I believe that they are going to do the safe thing, which is to pair uh, a 6-8-6-9 wing with LaMelo Ball. Uh, Is Scoot a better player? Yes. Does he have a higher upside? Yes. But Ultimately, that would signal to LaMelo that they have no faith that he is going to be the ball-dominant player for them for the future, and that is a bad thing. Surround LaMelo with more talent. His physical attributes are all of the rage in the NBA right now. 6'8", knockdown shooter, movement shooter. He can playmake. He can defend. He can switch on defense. All of these things are very valuable traits in a raw prospect like Brandon Miller. I'm not sold on him. I am just personally not sold on him. The drawbacks for me on him. This is the only player I think I'm going to do drawbacks on. That's how much I feel that there are drawbacks for him. And none of them are character issues. He has hips like a Ken doll. Does not get separation. Uh, does not finish well in the paint with contact. That has been a challenge for him pretty much through college. Doesn't have a ton of uh, moves around the rim. And I want to know what that's going to be like against bigger, stronger, more athletic players versus players in college that he could just bully. Doesn't have the tightest handle either. Very loose handle, very tight hips. Moving on to Portland, number three, Scoot. Hell yeah. I am so excited about this because number one, Scoot would have been the number one pick in last year's draft. Number one pick, maybe not. Maybe Palo still would have been number one in this year's draft if Victor wasn't there and probably the number one in 2024 and 2025. The kid is transcendent. He could be John Morant, but bigger. He could be Derrick Rose with a better shot and with more, I guess, versatility on defense. He could be a guy that you really say to yourself, this is someone that really was Charlotte fucked up not taking. He's explosive in every way. He is just walking to get chips. When you see him literally just walking down the court, you're like, man, this guy is explosive. Everything he does shows you how athletic he is. He attacks the basket really well. He has a ton of moves around the rim, Euro steps, elite handling ability, be able to get separation, very quick first step, has the ability to elevate like jaw, has mitts the size of Michael Jordan's, which I believe is like the seventh or eighth largest hands in NBA history at 6'4". He can shoot the mid-range really well, the floater really well. And for folks who say, 
well, he can't shoot, which used to be me, because I think he shot like 32% from three in the G League for the two years that he was there. Like, do not fear. Some of those shots were terrible. When you're talking about high-quality three-point shots, when guys go under the screen, he shot 40%. It's not like his jumper is broken. It's not like you look at the shot and you say, oh, boy, that has a hitch or that has a low release. No, pretty good-looking shot. But Ja couldn't shoot. Derrick Rose couldn't shoot. Jimmy Butler couldn't shoot. And guess what? They're all the real deal. Portland will be fucking elated to get Scoot. If you have to trade Damian Lillard in the next whatever amount of time, or even if Damian Lillard stays and he moves on via retirement, Scoot and Shaden, Scoot and Shaden, just say it. Think about it in your mind and say to yourself, that's the most explosive athletic backcourt maybe in NBA history. 6'4", explosive Scoot, 6'6", 41-inch vertical Shaden, can do all co- I mean, come on. Scoot playmaking for Shaden Sharp? The problem, though, is for Portland, they have a lead guard, and his name is Damian Lillard. Will they exist all together? We're going to find out. This is one of those scenarios where you say to yourself, if Dame is going to make us trade him because we take a potential superstar who could be all-NBA or an all-star in maybe two years from now, that's just a risk we're willing to take. Number four, this is where it gets super interesting. Amon Thompson, I think, is what the Rockets do. Because why? The Rockets have plenty of shooters. They don't need, they have plenty of scorers. That's pretty much all they have are scorers. Uh, they don't need another guy who wants to dominate the ball unless that he wants to dominate the ball and then pass it immediately. That is Amon Thompson in a nutshell. The fit for Houston and Amon is hand and glove. I think that's the best fit for them, and I think it's the best fit for him. He can handle the ball like a guard. He has amazing court vision. He has passing ability for days. He's going to be able to slash and kick and create opportunities for Jabari Smith, for Jalen Green, for Shangoon, for K.J. Martin. He can score... Even though his jumper is a little suspect, he still can shoot in the mid-range pretty well. His athleticism is probably some of the highest in the draft. Killer instinct, amazing crossover. His handles are elite. This is the kind of player Ime Udoka dreams of, especially considering how high his upside is on defense. Number five, this is where it gets interesting, Detroit. Detroit and Troy Weaver, the GM, said, He is going to swing for the fences. Well, folks, there's no higher prospect in this draft uh, that hasn't been taken at five or hasn't been taken before five than Oscar Thompson. He's the second Thompson twin, better defender than his brother, Eamon. And if this is a term, uh, he's got a more floatier sort of, he's a more floatier player than Amon, if that makes sense. Kind of plays a little up higher kind of moves his body up and down as he's going through and getting to the rim. Less aggressive, but certainly has the ability, just like Eamon, to yam on your ass. This is a fit for Detroit. They need guys who can provide versatility. His shot's a little bit more steady than Eamon's. If he wants to be a corner shooter for Cade and for Jaden Ivey when they're attacking the rim, I mean, these would be three guys. Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham, and Eamon, or and Oscar Thompson, excuse me, that would all be able to attack the rim and put pressure on the defense. Uh, very unselfish guy. I think the reason that Detroit picks him is less about fit and more about upside. Like Troy Weaver said, we want to swing for the fences. Feels like a potential fun, fun pairing with Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham, and of course, Jalen Duran, who's another athletic freak. No shade. Number six. 
Also a very interesting situation for Orlando. What do they do? This team needs a 3 and D wing, and that is the kind of talent that Orlando will get in Whitmore. This is a guy who could be like Miles Bridges, a smaller, a little bit smaller Miles Bridges. If you think about what he did before he beat the shit out of people, he was doing crazy things to defenses across the league. The Magic love guys like this, long, athletic, have versatility. He can shoot it a little bit as well. He can rebound. He's very explosive. You saw that in his, uh, some of the pre-draft workouts that they put on Twitter. Extremely explosive, getting to the rim, can dunk really well. He's kind of like what Sadiq Bey was supposed to be. He can off-ball cut really well. Just really will give the Magic some more opportunities for their team to speed up play. Uh, he's really good in transition. They'll be able to really speed up play off of makes as well. Orlando was 26th in pace of play last year. So I think Cam would really help. Something tells me, though, that they don't do this. Something tells me they do something, like, even weirder. But I think this is a really good and safe pick for Orlando, considering that they have a million guards, and they keep saying that they like them all. I would not be shocked, though, if the Magic did want, went guard and maybe got, like, an Anthony Black or reached for a player who's shooter like Grady Dick. But this feels to me like the best positional fit for the Magic. Think about Cam Whitmore, like I said, like a slightly smaller Miles Bridges before he beat his girlfriend. Let's go to seven. Uh, Jairus Walker is who I think Indiana will take at seventh pick. Again, Indiana needs a 3 and D wing. Jairus Walker, I think a lot of people thought before we were all in the mock game that he probably would go top five, and maybe he still does. Maybe he goes to Detroit. I think he's one of the best 3 and D wings in the draft, not named Brandon Miller. Indiana was 26th in defensive rating last year, even with Miles Turner on the floor for the entire year, who by all means is a really good rim protector. He's really good off ball as well. Uh, he's one of the best weak side rim protectors in all of college hoops. He can do everything from guarding one to five, blitzing three-point shooters. And here's a little fun fact. The only other freshman to be drafted in the past 10 years with a 6% block rate and 35% from three is Chet Holmgren. He's not a superstar, but he can make star players like Halliburton even better. To me, this would be a home run pick for Indiana. Number eight. Washington Wizards. Okay, folks. So, this pick's really hard. The new GM and front office in general are a bit of a mystery. You've got, let's just kind of go backwards. You've got Will Dawkins, who's the new GM. He scouted for the Oklahoma City Thunder for over a decade. You've got Michael Winger, worked also with Sam Presti at OKC, and then he worked with... Uh, Lawrence Frank for the Clippers. So he's got OKC roots. And then you have Travis Lank, who's regarded one of the best talent evaluators who came from Atlanta and before that, the Warriors. The question is, who is Michael Winger going to emulate more? Is he going to emulate more Sam Presti or more Lawrence Frank? But you've got two other guys who have OKC roots. And that means to me that they take a player, they need a guard. So to me, they take a player who an OKC team would take, which is Anthony Black. Anthony Black's player comp is Josh Giddy. 
a kid who is big, who can pass, who has court vision, who has an insanely high basketball IQ, and they do not care that he has no jump shot. Washington seems to love him. They brought Anthony Black in for two workouts. And if you think to yourself, well, don't the Wizards need a scoring guard? And I think I've heard that a lot. And I've gone back and forth on this. Is it a Kobe Bufkin or is it an Anthony Black? And to me, I think OKC would like them both. But really, when you had Bradley Beal, who led the NBA in points, what did you have? You had them as a play-in team. So maybe you want to go a different direction and start trying new things. Scoring isn't the entire issue here. You kind of need a playmaking guard who can also play defense. Number nine. There's a possibility here, I think, that OKC trades up uh, to this spot. Or I think Utah stays right here and takes the same player themselves. And that is Bilal Koulibaly. Utah needs athleticism. We know that. They need more front court support that can play defense. And no one, to me, is really more athletic than Bilal Koulibaly, who is Victor Wambayama's Metro 92 teammate. The guy could legit, I think, to me, be the steal of the draft. He's 6'8". He has a 7'3 wingspan. He's actually bigger than Kawhi, who has the exact same wingspan. And we all know what Kawhi ended up being. French writers compare Bilal Koulibaly to a young Giannis because he has a slim build who it looks like from his body, from his shoulder width, just from how he moves, that he's going to definitely fill out. Another French basketball writer wrote that he wouldn't be surprised if Bilal reached 6'9 or 6'10 before he's done growing. Whew! Super athletic. (laughs) One of the best defenders in the LNB French Pro League. One of the most efficient scorers in the draft. Uh, 0.89 points per possession for him. Utah could slot him in at the three or the four to go along with Mark Markinen and Kessler and have one of the most exciting young front court lines in the league. Let's move forward. I really like Bilal. I really like him. Number 10, this could be a steal for Dallas. If they don't stay, if they don't trade that pick, which a lot of people think that they will, but I'm not so sure that they will because teams are trying to fleece. If they keep their pick, I think a player like Taylor Hendricks could be a very obvious draft for this, for this pick. Why? Well, he could be the best off-ball defender in the draft. And Dallas, we know, needs defense. They traded their defenders away. They were 21st in defensive rating last year, and that was including the games before the trade deadline when they had Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. So it was just abysmal for them. Hendricks, he's not like an elite scorer, but his one offensive strength is spot-up shooting which is a very big need for Dallas and elsewhere, right? He's super athletic. You could see Luka and Kyrie, if Kyrie comes back, getting him the ball, pick-and-pop situations, and him being able to score that way. A very athletic guy. Only player in college basketball last year who had 35-plus dunks and 60-plus threes. So he's going to be able to shoot from deep as well. In fact, only four freshmen, by the way, in the past decade have pulled that off. Uh, Benedict Matherin which is insane at his size, R.J. Barrett, Lonzo Ball, and Ben McElmore. So pretty much one bust of those four. He could end up being a steal for Dallas at 10. Some people think he'll go as as early as five, but I think he's going to slip just based on need. Number 11. Here's where it gets really interesting to me for Orlando as well. Orlando finished in the bottom 10 in the NBA in three-point percentage, and the Magic just shot 34% from three this past season. You got to kind of take Grady Dick, don't you? You do. Grady Dick is an elite shooter. 
He shot 40% from three from college, six attempts a game. And the list of players who have shot 40% from three and scored 14 points or more per game is very, very limited. It is limited to players such as O.J. Mayo, not starting off great because he got kicked out of the league, but I continue. Gary Trent Jr., D'Angelo Russell, Tawan Porter. It gets better, I promise. Jamal Murray, Kevin Durant, and Grady Dick. This is a huge need for Orlando. They were a terrible perimeter shooting team. They were having Paolo Bancaro shoot threes. That was just not a good scenario. But Orlando's a wild card. They want athleticism and length as well. I could see them taking a player like Kobe Bufkin, even though they say they don't need a point guard, uh, because he is long. He is rangy. He can do a bunch of things, and he's a very decent shooter versus a guy who may be like Grady Dick, who's a really good perimeter shooter, can rebound, can attack the rim, but can't play defense as much and maybe is less versatile. But I still am going to stick with Grady Dick at 11. Number 12, this would be a home run pick for OKC if they stay at this spot. If Orlando doesn't draft Bufkin at 11 and Bilal is off the books, I think OKC takes Kobe Bufkin. This maybe is the the team that promised Kobe Bufkin that they would draft him. Apparently, Kobe Bufkin has a promise from a team, which is why he shut all of his uh, workouts down. They need somebody who can help them shoot, create their shot, and play, play make. They have right now Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's not a great shooter, but he can do a ton of other things. They've got Josh Giddy, so they need a guard who can help really spread the defense or spread the, uh, spread the offense out a little bit. That's Bufkin, 6'5", has a long wingspan. He can score at all three levels. He can make plays for his teammates. He's a lefty who I love. It feels like him plus SGA and Giddy feels like that's just a perfect three-man backcourt. A lot of smoke around OKC and what they're going to do, but we know that this, we know that they like length, we know that they like versatility, and they're not afraid to reach for somebody that they love, as we saw last year with Jalen Williams and Usman Jang. Number 13, ugh, Toronto. I don't know, guys. Like, I really, really don't know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit. I'm going to commit to it. This pick is tough. I don't know what the Raptors really, their game is. I don't know what their their strategy is. That's why, and I don't know really what Masai is going to prioritize because he's been doing the 6-7 to 6-9 thing, guys who couldn't, can't shoot, and that really hasn't been working out, and Fred Van Fleet might be out the door. Gary Trent Jr. just opted into his deal. That's a little bit of shooting. Gary Trent's a pretty good shooter, a little small, okay defender. So do they need a point guard? To me, it feels like yes, because Fred Van Fleet's going to want like $30 million. So if they need a point guard, who do they get? To me, I think that's Keontae George. It's just so tough. It's just so tough. But this is what I think. Keontae George fits why. He has the ability to help Toronto offensively. His package offensively is pretty robust. He can pull up. He has step backs. He has sidesteps. He's really good in the pick and roll. His three-point number... Numbers in college aren't great. I think, what was it, like 32 33% at Baylor, but he made 38% of his threes in, in high school. So you have 38% three percentage from high school, and you've got a decent free throw percentage. To me, that means you don't have a broke jumper, and that can translate to the next level. You think that that means he could be a knockdown shooter. On top of that, he's a really good passer. He passes well specifically when he gets into the lane. I think him and Scotty Barnes would be a very interesting pairing. 
And that's why I think a player like Keontae George is a great fit for Darko, who's going to try to play more a little bit like Memphis in that style. And then a little fun fact, he's one of seven players since 2008 to have a 36% free throw rate and 75-plus made threes in a season. And that list includes Brendan Ingram, Jabari Smith, Trey Young, Benedict Matherin. His comp is set to be Eric Gordon, who finished his 15th season last year. Hard to say what Toronto wants to do. Obviously, I'm torn. But if it is guard, I would not be surprised if it's Keontae George. Number 14th, last pick in the lottery, uh, New Orleans. Also tough. Jeff Goodman says this. Derek Lively is the best center in the NBA draft, not named Victor Wambayama. And of all the teams in the lottery, I don't know of any other team that needs rim protection more than New Orleans, considering that Jonas Valanciunas is on an expiring. You could say maybe that's Dallas, and it certainly is. But if Dallas goes for a best player available and you've got a bunch of other teams that don't need rim protection, I think Derek Lively is a perfect fit for New Orleans. Valanciunas, like I said, is on an expiring contract. Lively was the number one high school recruit who struggled at Duke. Uh, He got better as the season went on. Uh, And New Orleans loves his wingspan. He's got a 7'7 wingspan, and he's only 19. He can run the floor really well. Uh, He can shoot a little bit, too. The knock against him is that he's just kind of soft. He might be a little too nice. The Pelicans are full of really gritty, hard rock guys who are sort of underrated, who play tougher, who maybe have chips on their shoulder. And the question is, for me, whether... Derek Lively has enough of a chip on his shoulder to fit in for this team. But they did draft Zion, and we know Zion doesn't have a chip, so maybe this is another one of those situations where the Pelicans go outside of what they normally do. Uh, But here's another good news. Like, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones can maybe rub off on him. Lively will be the center, maybe, that the Pelicans thought Jackson Hayes could be, and that would improve their team tremendously. Would be pretty much a home run pick if New Orleans ended up drafting him. Good stuff. I think we'll go back on this mock draft and see how wrong or right I was. Uh, We'll give some reactions after the draft on draft night. Make sure you tune in for that. That is all the time that we have for the heat check. The NBA draft is tonight. So check the feed as we have the best draft coverage, I think, in all the land. We have a bunch of heavy hitters on. Sam Vicini, Vicini, uh, Jeff Goodman, Jake Fisher, Raphael Barlow from uh, NBA Big Board. Uh, Bill Ryder from CBS Sports, who's very plugged in. Keith Smith. I mean, the list goes on and on. So make sure you subscribe, download, tell all your friends, every single one of them. And follow us on social at at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. And we will see you uh, right after the draft.